Okay, folks, before we just dive headlong into this episode, I had a quick announcement that I wanted to make. The Stephen or Else podcast now has its very own subreddit. You can find that at reddit.com slash r slash Stephen or Else. And it's a place for y'all to come and just be part of the community, talk about the episodes, talk about comics, talk about whatever. And it's something I've been trying to get together for a while now, and I just got notification that it's ready to go. And of course, this happened after I had recorded this entire episode. So I wanted to jump in here right at the very beginning and let you know that it's there, and also let you know that a little bit later in the episode, when I talk about uh, Superman Month in March... And I talk about the ways that you can participate in it. There is now a new way for you to participate as well. And that's within the Stephen R.L.'s podcast, Reddit. Remember, reddit.com slash r slash Stephen else. If you want to participate in the Superman thread, you just go find the Superman thread. Just be there. Just be part of the community. Okay? Can we do that? Let's do that. Let's be a team. All right. Let's start the show. The Stephen or Else Podcast. Starring Barbara Billingsley, Hugh Beaumont, Tony Dow, and Stephen R. Orr as the Beaver. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stephen or Else podcast, the only show that wanted to grow up and be a big hairy monster and fight crime in the great white north. I'm your host, Stephen, and this week we cast our eyes back to August of 1983. Every breath you take by the police was at the top of the charts. National Lampoon's Vacation, Easy Money, Mr. Mom all hit number one at the box office. And everyone was tuning in to watch Dallas, the A-Team, and Magnum P.I. But most importantly, Alpha Flight Number 1 by John Byrne debuted at Marvel Comics. And that's what we're going to be talking about this week. But first, my weekly reminder that March is Superman Month. So the first episode of March, which is going to be March uh, 4th, that of course is a Monday, I'm going to be talking about the first trade. There are four trades in the whole death of Superman, the whole death and return of Superman. So the first trade is just called the death of Superman. I'm going to be talking about that on Monday, March the 4th. And I would like you all to join me if you, you know, if you want to, I'm not going to force anybody to, but if you already own the trade or the issues, um, you know, you want to give it a read and, uh, give me a holler. You can, if you don't already own the trade or the issues, you can pick up this particular trade for free on the Hoopla app. Actually, all four trades are available through the Hoopla app. That is, if you have a library card and your library participates in the whole Hoopla experience, you can get all four of the trades that are in this whole storyline through Hoopla. You can get at least the Death of Superman trade through Comixology Unlimited and Kindle Unlimited, but it doesn't look like the other three are available. But anyway, if you want to participate, you have until the end of the day, Wednesday, February the 27th, to send me your thoughts about the death of Superman trade. You can email them. You can put together about five minutes of audio and email that to me. Um, but yeah, if you want to join in, join in. And that's not all. Like I said, the following weeks in March, I'm going to talk about the other three books. So ultimately, you have until the Wednesday before each episode to send me your thoughts. So We'll have the Death of Superman on Monday, March 4th. 
Funeral for a Friend on Monday, March the 11th. The Reign of the Superman on Monday, March 18th. And then The Return of Superman on Monday, March the 25th. So yeah, the Wednesday before each one of those episodes, if you want to participate, just get me that stuff. Um, Okay, so... I mentioned this last week, Punisher season two is now out there on Netflix. And as I feared, my druthers were completely ignored and I haven't been able to watch the full season yet, even though it's been an entire week, any normal sane human being could easily binge watch an entire season of shows. And I'm not talking about 24 episodes, though people can do it. Uh, But yeah, but I haven't been able to. But I have, however, been able to watch the first few episodes, and so I wanted to uh, give you my first impressions. You know, before we get into the the main topic of the episode, my first impressions of Punisher Season 2. Now, if you haven't watched any of the Punisher Season 2 yet, you may want to skip ahead a bit. I'll try to put some timestamps in the show notes, but we'll see. You know, I'm a busy guy. I work two jobs. I got three kids. I got a dog. I got a cat. I got a wife. And, uh, you know, I'm a busy guy. But yeah, you may want to skip ahead just a bit because honestly, I don't have the mental capabilities to listen to myself as I speak, which you probably know if you've listened to a few of these episodes, I tend to say things that maybe um, I don't mean. I just throw in the wrong word every once in a while, but that's why you listen for my idiocy. Um, So anyway, The Punisher, you've been warned, there'll be spoilers ahead. Okay, so first impressions of The Punisher Season 2, I liked it. I I really do like it so far. But I did find myself being a bit disappointed twice in the show thus far. Uh, First of all, I expected that with Season 2, we would just see Frank in New York. He's just now become a staple in New York, and he is constantly waging his war against crime and killing uh, you know, organized crime, family members and whatnot. Um, I mean, that's what he, well, I haven't, I honestly, I haven't read a Punisher book in a while, but back when I used to read Punisher with the exception of going up against the odd street level supervillain now and again, that's what he did. He waged a war on crime and he would kill these folks. Um, now everything he did up until season three had been with one singular goal in mind. And that was to find, and of course, punish, whoever was responsible for the death of his family. And I get that. That had to be done. But once that was all sorted out, he should be out there still, you know, killing mob bosses and whatnot. But instead, we have him in some little dive in Michigan listening to a band and drinking beer. And that's when everything starts and sweeps him up into into whatever adventure he goes into. But you know what? I'm going to get past that because the show is good regardless. I was just a little disappointed that he wasn't, you know, the Punisher in New York fighting crime, right? The second disappointment of the show so far came when Billy took off his mask so that we could finally see his scarred face because we have been promised Jigsaw. And it turns out he's only, he has like four to five big scars on his face, but he is, he is in no way Jigsaw. You don't look at his face and see, here's the thing throughout the ups, throughout the episodes so far, when someone has seen his scarred face, they react like, <gasps> and you know, at one, you know, oh, look at his face. And at one point he even says, 
he says to somebody, he goes, and this is what I have to live with or something like that. As he's pointing at his face, this is what I get for my effort or something. And it's like, dude, okay, you've got some scars on your face, but really it doesn't look that bad. It's kind of the way I felt in uh, the movie Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood where the, uh, the, the, the prostitute gets her face cut up by those guys. And yes, that's not, you know, it's a bad thing. You should never have to suffer the trauma of having your face cut open multiple times. But they make comments throughout the episode. She's got to live with that. She's all cut up. She's disfigured. No, she's got some scars on her face. I just, I don't know. I don't get it. I guess I'm not, I mean, I'm, I can, I am, I'm vain. Don't get me wrong. I'm a vain person, but I guess if I was scarred like Billy was, I wouldn't be all like, look at my face, look at my face. Because it's really not that bad. In the grand scheme of things, if he really looked like Jigsaw, on the other hand, I can understand his reaction and I can understand the reaction of the people around him. But he doesn't. He's just got some big scars on his face. And they don't, they don't rearrange any of his features. He's not missing part of his nose. His lip isn't split open. You can't see through his cheek into his mouth like Jonah Hex. His, his eye, he doesn't have, you know, he's got both of his eyes. He's got both of his ears. I don't understand what the big deal is. He's not Jigsaw. But again, I look past that. Because the show is still really good. We've still got Frank grunting and roaring, you know, like he does whenever he's fighting somebody. He's he he. It's like almost like he uh, channels Sylvester Stallone sometimes because he's just like whenever he's he's killing people and he's getting his butt kicked and he's getting back up and he's punishing the bad guys. And so, you know, honestly, what else can I ask for? Because it is a pretty good story. Now, one last thing, one last quick thing. Before we get into Alpha Flight, has everyone seen the trailer for The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot? This is a real thing. It stars Sam Elliott. If you have not seen it, I, I, you know, I invite you, please shut the podcast off right now. Go out there and watch the trailer and then you can just come back and listen to the rest of the podcast. Because this movie looks amazing. First of all, anytime you can, anytime Sam Elliott's in a movie, that already raises the bar of that movie, providing he's got a mustache. I've got a really, I've got a real problem with Sam Elliott without his mustache. My wife and I watched through all the seasons of Justified a few years back, and Sam Elliott is a bad guy in one of the seasons, and I had read about it beforehand and was really pumped for Sam Elliott to be on Justified. And then he shows up and he's got a bare upper lip. And I just went, what? That's, that's not Sam Elliott. What, what, what are you trying to pull here, people? And so he was, he's almost creepy without that mustache. But he's got his full mustache in this movie. And he, he's a guy who, when he was younger, he was in World War II and he assassinated Adolf Hitler. And now they're asking him to come back and go into the Canadian wilderness and hunt down and kill the Bigfoot because Bigfoot is carrying a disease that if it gets out can be a plague to all of mankind. So they need him to go into the Canadian wilderness and kill Bigfoot before this happens. I mean, I didn't know I needed a movie like this until it came out. And here's the thing. I needed a movie like this. So I am so super pumped for this movie that I'm afraid it's going to suck when it finally comes out on DVD 
and I'm going to lie in bed crying for weeks and weeks and weeks. But let's hope, let's hope it's good because the trailer makes it look good. Home kit that they got there up on the shelf With my stubbornly health I can't get exploded Haven't got wealth enough to devote it In such large measure to picking up bits So I'd better be prepared on the terrorist tip And I do that there in the simplest way By carefully considering can they die And demon it's shifting this quotient high Got an ocean wide and it's ocean size And I'm mostly fine with your people But watch it, Canadian strikes me as unpatriotic Let me get this straight Province is not state Choose your presidency That's what I meant Post the border guard prepared Alpha Flight Classic Volume 1. So this, I have the digital version. Uh, the digital version was released on September of 2014. And this collects Alpha Flight issues 1 through 8, which ran from 1983 to 1984. There is also a Volume 2 and a Volume 3. I also have both of those. Um, I have all the issues up in my attic. But I got the digital version through Comixology because it was on sale. There was there was a great sale going on for all three of these books. And plus, I can't fit all eight issues, you know, the original issues. I go get them out of my attic, but I can't fit them all in my pocket. So I read them on my phone. It's just, it's just better. I can carry all three volumes around with me wherever I go in my pocket. All right, so Alpha Flight is a Canadian superhero team. They first made their debut in uh, The Uncanny X-Men. We'll get into a little bit of that later. Uh, but they, they first debuted as a Canadian superhero team that was ultimately meant to, uh, to take on the X-Men. Uh, Wolverine is uh, from Canada. He was part of Department H, which is what Alpha Flight falls under. And he he took off. He didn't want to be a part of it anymore. And so Alpha Flight came to America to bring him back. And, of course, they didn't. Um, now, the members of Alpha Flight are Guardian. He is uh, He's the leader. And um, his name is James McDonald Hudson. I'm not going to remember everybody's name. But you know this going into that. Uh, he doesn't have any superpowers himself. He's got a suit. Not like an Iron Man suit. It looks like a regular costume, but it has circuitry inside it that allows him to fly, and he's got a force field, and he can shoot beams and all that stuff. And then you've got Aurora and North Star. These are uh, twin brother twins. Uh, they're brother and sister. They are mutants. They can fly at light speed practically, um, and if they if they hold hands, if they come in contact with each other, they can shoot out a burst of light as bright as the sun. Um, they are French Canadian, so they often uh, speak in French. Not that I have a problem with that. Uh, I just, I don't know. I don't know why I had to point that out. I just did. Um, Aurora has a split personality. Um, so that's kind of weird because on the one, when she's Aurora, she's this, you know, like this uh, high spirited, fancy free woman who, you know, she's in control and she, you know, she's. She's, uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think right now. Um, 
but when she's when she's not Aurora, she is um Jean Marie, I think her name is. I think her real name is Jean Marie, I believe. And uh I don't man, I don't remember their names now. Anyway, when she's her, she's very prim and proper and keeps her hair in a bun. Um so that's the twins, Aurora and North Star. We've got Sasquatch. Uh can't remember that guy's name off the top of my head, but and I don't know if he's a mutant or not. I don't think he's a mutant. Um, I believe he was uh well, they haven't done Sasquatch Origins yet, so I haven't I don't quite remember. But anyway, he can transform. He's a regular dude who basically transforms into Bigfoot. So as a kid, he was one of my favorite superheroes of all time, not to mention he was my favorite on this team. He was Walter Lankowski, that was his name. Um, the Sasquatch, and he was orange. His hair was orange, which is kind of like mine. You also had Snowbird. She's like the human personification of a goddess. Um, she has a civilian identity, but I don't remember what it is because honestly, she she doesn't. She's not human all that much. Uh, but she also can. She can. Um, she can transform into an owl and and a, and a polar bear and basically any kind of animal um, from the Great White North. She can transform into them. And then you have Shaman. He is a uh, he's basically like the shaman of the uh, Saracy tribe. Um, he was a celebrated, very famous surgeon uh, named Michael Tuyungman, and he. Uh, he didn't believe in all the mystic arts uh, that his grandfather would try to teach him. Uh, but then his grandfather died and uh, the ghost of his grandfather passed over all this knowledge to him. And so now he, he he carries a pouch. It's like a magic pouch that he can reach into and just bring all kinds of stuff out. And he's pretty awesome. Um, and then rounding out the team at this point is Puck. And he's a little, he's a, uh, a dwarf, uh, I think he refers to himself as. He is just a hairy little dude, and uh, he is he's very athletic, very acrobatic, um, and is somewhat strong. He's also one of my favorites. Um, but that's who makes up Alpha Flight. So let's talk about the issues. So this this trade collects the first eight issues. So I'm just going to go through each issue in turn because unlike trades today, you know, you read a trade today. Um, heck, heck, trades of the last 10, 15, 20 years, they're all story arcs, you know, six, six to 12 issue story arcs. And that's not the way they did it back then. It was one continuous story serialized with smaller arcs within the continuing story. So the first issue was called Tundra. This is where we learn that Department H is shut down and Alpha Flight is no longer funded by the Canadian government. Um, and really at this time, when, the, when this issue opens up, it's only um, Guardian, who at this point is going by the name Vindicator. It's just Guardian, Aurora, Northstar, and Snowbird, and Shaman, I believe. Oh, I forgot. I forgot one of the members, uh, Marina. She is like an underquater. She's like a – she's not like Namor. She's not an Atlantean. She's almost like a fish lady, and she's strong – and can swim like super fast and she can uh, control water to a certain extent. She's pretty awesome. Uh, but when the issue opens up, really the only members of um, Alpha Flight are Guardian, Aurora, North Star, Snowbird, and Shaman. And so out 
in the great north, there's a dude out there in the wilderness and he's kind of frail and and uh, he does some magic and this creature called Tundra erupts from the ground and he's like freaking skyscraper huge and he's a big monster made up of the land. And um, so Vindicator, because that's what he's called at the time, he goes to, to handle it. Uh, Snowbird and Shaman also go to handle it. And uh, Vindicator's wife, Heather, she uh, she uses the computer systems that they have in the house to um, reach out to other members of what would be Beta Flight. So these would be – there was Alpha Flight, Beta Flight, and I don't remember the th- Gamma Flight. So these were the levels. Alpha Flight were the superstars. They were the main team. We go down to Gamma Flight. They're the trainees. When the trainees reached a certain level. They'd get up to Gamma Flight, which is Gamma Flight is like the uh, the uh, the um, minor leagues. And if if they they prove themselves, and they would get into Alpha Flight. Well, she contacts uh, three members of Gamma Flight, which would be Sasquatch, um, Puck, and Marina. Anyway, they all go out and they fight this big giant snow monster and they win uh, just by Marina throwing a bunch of water, like thousands and thousands of gallons of water on the creature while Aurora and Northstar fly around it so fast that they basically just erode it away. You use erosion. So that's Tundra. And then we get into issue number two. It's called Shadows of the Past. And we start out with a training session. And during this training session, it's when uh, Shaman suggests to Vindicator that he should he should change his name to Guardian. And so that's what he does. Um, during the training session, Marina goes a little feral and attacks Puck and practically disembowels him. She's got claws and she practically disembowels him. And then she just she jumps in the water and swims away. And uh, we get kind of uh, Marina's origin story in this in this issue. She was found by a fisherman uh, at the bottom of a of of you know a lake or or maybe a shallow area of the sea. I don't know. She was it was an egg, and he took it home. And the fisherman's wife could tell that whatever was in the egg was starting to hatch. She helped it along, and it was this little green baby. And it's kind of funny because. They basically say, all right, so this little girl who's green and has these big old dark like fish eyes and is kind of scaly and has web webbed fingers and webbed toes. Nobody she 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 just grows up in this small area of Canada, this small town, and nobody blinks an eye because people uh were used to the inbreeding, I think is the way he put it. It was it wasn't an uncommon thing to have a child that was different due to the inbreeding. And so nobody blinked an eye. We also get um, at the end of this issue, um, John Byrne starts putting in these backup tales, which is the origin of Alpha Flight and its members. And so this is a uh, an origin. Uh, we get Guardian's origin. And he, you know, basically how he uh, he created um, the technology that would end up becoming the suit that he wears. Uh, issue three is called yesterday, man. We get the, uh, this is more of Marina's story. She finds, she swims away and she goes 
way up north and uh, finds like basically this giant spaceship in the ice and she's captured and she's tortured. And we find out that the guy who's doing this is some dude named the master. We don't know anything about him yet or why he's doing this. Um, and then at the end of the uh, end of the epi- uh, episode, at the end of the issue, Namor and the invisible invisible girl show up. So that was kind of neat because means they're going to be in the next issue. And then we get uh, in the backup is the rest of Guardians Origin, which is kind of weird because okay, so he's working for um, he's not working for the government at this point. He's working for this lab, this this private company, and he has created this. This little, this helmet, it's like a half helmet. It just sits, you know, sits on his head and it's got cybernetics and it's what he can, he uses to control, uh, this suit that he's built. Now the helmet he had created before he came to this lab, the suit on the other hand, he created while he was in the lab. And then of course he finds out that the guy who owns the place, he's going to sell this suit to the military and, uh, Mac doesn't want this to happen. So he breaks in, he takes the suit, he destroys the plans for the suit, takes the suit and leaves it outside, but he takes the helmet with him. And there's a a, a, a girl working at this company um, who ends up being his wife. So it's Heather. But at the time, she's like 17 years old. And she's like, I love you and I think we should get married. And he's like, whoa, what? You're 17 years old. And she's like, well, I'm almost 18. So it's like they wait until she's of legal age. I don't know how old he is. He may only be like 22, 23 years old. So that may not be as, it just felt really weird. Um, but she's the one who has the idea for Mac to take the helmet to the government. And, um, they look at everything. They make sure all his, the charges against him are dismissed. Uh, and then that's when they develop department H. Robotic space rhinoceri that we pilot. Why? Cause they're in survive. Plus, we heat the cry of our planet's population to defend them. We report to battle stations, split screen ready, and our rhinos are rocket ships with fully articulated tusk jaws and hips. They come equipped with individual special attacks, none with a lack, but a couple a little bit slack. I'm not naming any pilots specifically, but we're all color coded, so you notice that typically I and the gold lead the charge, do the most damage to whatever very Giant space invader managed to threaten the globe in yet another of our episodes. This week, malevolent galactic nematode already beat up the squad when we faced him. I'm calling it. Let's form a giant robot and waste him. Monster misbehaving, planets needing saving, situations craving. I'll form the head. The enemy is clever. We're smaller, but whatever. When we put it together, I'll form the head. Y'all could do the treading. Swing energy machete. If combinations ready, I'll form the head. 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 Issue four is called Resolutions, and it's the third part of this whole story with Marina. We find out that the ship is an alien spaceship that is sent by a planet that sends out thousands of ships all the time, and they just go to different planets that are still in the early stages of development. So this ship had crash-landed while the dinosaurs were still, you know, a thing. So they go to these planets, and they shoot out all these little eggs into the into the waters 
and it's like the alien DNA. And that's anyway, that's how they colonize these planets, I guess, and, and, and kind of take over. And that's who Marina is. She's not exactly one of the aliens because the DNA, that these little eggs, they kind of incorporate what else is going on on the planet and stuff. The master was a caveman. Is he, a, he was a Neanderthal who felt the call of the ship. He gets to the ship. The ship basically just kind of just totally destroys him and then reconstructs him. And now he kind of controls the ship and it's like he wants to continue the mission to uh, take over the world and colonize it with these aliens. But then, of course, Namor and the Invisible Girl are there because Namor can sense something evil in the water um, because the ship has grown and it's gone into the water and it stretches out really far. And he went to get uh, the Invisible Girl who um, I don't think he I don't I'm, I'm assuming at this point that uh John Byrne I don't think he'd done Fantastic 4 yet cuz I know at some point during his run on the on the Fantastic 4 he changes her name from Invisible Girl to Invisible Woman and I'm pretty sure they were calling her Invisible Girl in this story Anyway um they of course they win they defeat the master they they blow up the ship there's all this crazy stuff going on on the ship uh cuz the ship is alive and there's this really good stuff with um with Sasquatch just tearing up walls. Now, this entire time, I should say, Puck is Puck has been in the hospital this entire time. Both he and Shaman, they're not any part of these these last three issues because Puck's in the hospital and Shaman is there as his as the doctor, Doctor Michael Tuyungman, who's there to uh, you know to help him recover, and he did the surgery on him and all that. So they're not even in these issues. Sasquatch probably he's got a smaller part. Um, but he's like tearing through walls and stuff because the, the ship keeps changing and guardian using the circuitry in his helmet. He can see, uh, he's like connected with the ship and he can see where everybody is. And so he, they're, they've all been split up and he's getting them all together. But of course, you know, like I said, they win. Uh, but Marina doesn't go back to alpha flight. She goes with Namor back to Atlantis and his people because, um, they Namor feels there's still some un, unanswered questions about her past and that his people, they are, uh, Namor feels that his people are the best to, to, to answer those questions. All right. So that takes us to issue number five, what fools these mortals be. And this is a puck solo adventure. He's, he's in the hospital. Uh, shaman is there with him and he basically, you know, he's like, well, there's nothing more I can do for you. All you can do now is heal. So just take it easy and chill, my man. And Puck's like, word. And uh, at one point in the middle of the night, he wakes up and he's in a lot of pain. And so he rings the nurse to get some some meds, some pain meds. She never comes. So he gets out of bed to go find her. And there's nobody at the nurse's station. He finally finds her in this back room where she's she's getting ready to shoot up. She's taking some drugs. And then he learns that there's like a whole drug operation being run out of the hospital and so he, the next day he meets with the hospital, you know, the main hospital dude, the administrator or the chief of surgery or whoever tells him what his findings are. And he says, look, I'll, uh, you know, don't call the police. I will gather up more evidence. We'll put a stop to this. And that's what he does. And of course he knows the whole time that he's doing this, that this big hospital administrator guy is actually the ringleader and he ends up putting a stop to it. And then there, the backup story in this issue is the beginning of Shaman's origin, where we've already kind of talked about. He was he's a 
a doctor who uh, dismissed all the mystic ways of his people. He didn't believe any of that crap. He only believed in science. His grandfather dies, comes back to him as a ghost. Um, but in the meantime, okay, so the shaman, Michael Tuyungman, his wife is sick. And he vows to, to, to cure her. And he even tells their daughter, who's like five or six, you know, he, he, will, he will save their mother. And he, they are connected to Heather, uh, Guardian's wife, Mac's wife, uh, because at this time she's a, she's a young teenager, 15, 14 or 15, and she's their babysitter. So the wife dies, his girl um, hates him forever because he said that he would save her and he didn't. He, he's a liar and he couldn't save his, her mother. Um, and that's when he just goes into exile and just loses it. Because uh, he also finds out the same day his grandfather died. And I don't, I know that the, the origin is two parts, but ultimately his grandfather's ghost uh, teaches him the ways uh, to be shaman. Shaman's one of my, another one of my favorite characters. I really like him. I think the only characters I don't like, I don't know, I like them all. I just don't like the whole, I've never liked, the whole split personality thing. So the whole thing with Aurora, I, I have just never liked that. That's the only thing that keeps me from really liking a character like Moon Knight. I think Moon Knight is a very awesome looking character, but they get into the whole, he's got three different personalities and I just, I just don't care about that kind of crap. You know, I don't, I don't need a big psychological backstory drama in your head kind of, you know, book. I just... I just need a good story with some adventure, which has always been a shame about Mood Knight because did I say Mood Knight? <laughs> it's like that's like a mood ring. Anyway, Moon Knight, especially back in the day in the 80s, whew, he was a good-looking character. Anyway, my notes here. Issue 6 is called Snowblind and it's more of a snowbird adventure. She takes on like he takes she takes on this kind of an ancient mystical being called Colomac. And this is an interesting issue because when they start to fight, Colomac uh, throws up this blizzard. And it's such a dense blizzard that she can't see him. And for five pages, it's nothing but white panels. And it's not like it's just five completely blank pages. It's really kind of interesting when you look at it. Because he actually, Byrne actually goes through these five pages, puts in panels, Puts in word, you know, there's word balloons in there with them talking and sound effects and narration. There's just, you know, they're fighting and you know that because of the narration and the sound effects and the, and, and them yelling and talking and, and all that stuff. But each panel, it's all laid out. It's not like just your basic nine panel grid on each page. There, it's actually, it, you could picture the, the art there, but it's just not there. It's just white panel page, white panels. And somebody had asked at one point, did he get paid his normal page rate for those pages? Because he didn't draw anything. And apparently he did. Because Jim Shooter, I think, was the guy in charge at the time. And he felt it was an artistic choice. Um, And then the backup story in this issue, uh, we get um, the the second part of Shaman's Origin. Issue number seven and issue number eight are... uh, they are, it's a two-part story with Aurora and North Star. And North Star, okay, so at some point, 
during the adventure on the ship a couple of episodes, a couple of issues ago, Aurora goes back to her Jean, Jean Marie personality. And so North Star um, has been taking her to a psychiatrist because he wants her back as Aurora. And of course, the psychiatrist is like, I don't understand what you're talking about. There's nothing wrong with her. Jean Marie is, is obviously a very pleasant person. And anyway, he takes her to go see an old friend of his who uh, you find out is being, um, he, he, he owns this shop and there's this like a, uh, like a mob boss type of guy that they call Deadly Ernest who is trying to get his shop closed down and he ends up killing um, North Star's friend. He has this touch. He, he takes his gloves off. He touches the guy on his head and the guy dies. And then he kidnaps um, Aurora because he thinks Aurora is this guy's daughter who we meet as well. Anyway, North Star goes and he rescues her. And there's a, another character there called Nemesis, who's this woman in like almost a Spider-Man type costume with a cape and a sword that can cut through anything. And it was a pretty, you know, for North Star and Aurora being my least favorite of the characters, I really like the two issues. Um, and then the backup story in both of these issues is Snowbird's origin. Um so all in all, I really, I did enjoy all eight issues in this, in this, uh, volume. I was really, I have been pumped and ready to read some John Byrne Alpha Flight in a long time. Uh, you know, when I think of classic art, comic book art from back in the day, from back in the seventies and eighties, I, my go-to is always John Byrne. Um, I have been a big fan of John Byrne for a long time. I understand that the man himself, uh, not a lot of people like him. He he has done some things and said some things in the past that were not great things. They were stupid things to say. His you know, but his artwork I think is beautiful. And I have been reading a lot of John Byrne stuff just in the past week. Uh, thanks to Comicsology Unlimited, I read Danger Unlimited and Babe, um, and uh, I'm reading Trio right now. Uh, I got Spider-Man, the next chapter, volume one. I got his Wonder Woman, uh, volume one. Um, so I'm just going to be all up in John Byrne art for the next couple of weeks. Uh, but the Alpha Flight is something that I've been wanting to read for years. And it's all up in my freaking attic. I just, nothing up there is arranged in any way. And I just don't like to go up there. And so I just haven't taken the time to go do it. Um, and when I found it on sale on Comixology, I just, I couldn't resist. And I was so looking forward to it. And I'm not disappointed. Now that I've read the issues, I'm not disappointed. And I'm, I, you know, and I've still got two more volumes to go through because he was on there for like 18 issues or something. Um, 20 issues, 25, I can't remember. But it was kind of weird because apparently he gets to a certain point. And then he and Al Milgram, Al Milgram was doing uh, the Hulk at the time. They just decided to swap. And so they, they, they just changed places. They just, all right, boom. But then John Byrne only does like six issues of the Hulk. And then I don't know what he does after that. But as I was reading these, I, start, I was going online. I was going to Wikipedia. I was reading stuff about Alpha Flight because I do remember that there was a character in Alpha Flight named Box. And I didn't remember much about the character other than I remember really liking him and that at one point um, 
it's like he was a guy who was a paraplegic uh, and he, but he has the suit of armor and his name is Box, but it's B-O-C-H-S. And the when he's in the suit of armor, he's B-O-X. Um, but at some point, somebody else is in the armor, Madison Jeffries, and he can manipulate metal and whatnot. And I almost remember... Because as I'm looking at it, I see that Box does show up during John Byrne's run. But I'm looking at the the character and I'm like, that's not the Box that I remember. I remember him being like red and silver and sleek. And he could, and, you know, and, and, and so as I'm reading into it, I start to read stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, Jim Lee did Alpha Flight for a while. And I, I almost think that that's where Jim Lee really cut his teeth. I know that he was, he became Jim Lee on the X-Men but I remember him now from Alpha Flight, and it was his box that I liked more than John Byrne's box. Um, so yeah, that was kind of that was kind of fun to to just stumble across. It's not until like you know five year, three, four, five years later, whatever, that he gets on the book. So of course, it's not in any of the any of the trades I have because it's all John Byrne stuff, and I can't find any trades through Comicsology of Alpha Flight that Jim Lee did, but maybe I'm just not looking hard enough. Yo, Billy goats like myself favor hillsides. We're so good at going up the mid and still's pride. And it feels right posing on a peak from up here. See into the end of next week. So I speak from observation, brothers. Way over yawn. There's an incline that I'd like to picture us on. Got the greenest of the grasses that I ever beheld. With the breeze in our direction, I could tell by the smell that we've never been fed. How this hilltop could feed us. My bigger brothers, I dream of all three of us wandering, yonder, and filling our bellies up. But without us becoming belly cuts in the process. This is the rub got a stream in between the only bridge over infested by troll hunger in my belly's got me ready set go look at me i could be much chubbier i could eat you would see much chubbier me and then i would be much chubbier much chubbier much chubbier look at me i could be much chubbier i'm so scrawny much chubbier the girl behind me is chubbier he's much chubbier he's much chubbier all right, before we close out the episode, I'm going to give you a couple of Alpha Flight fun facts. Because like I said, I started looking online, reading a bunch about Alpha Flight. And one of the places I ended up going to was John Byrne's site. I think it's John Byrne Robotics. And he has an FAQ on there where, you know, he's just basically taken a lot of the, uh, the well, the frequently asked questions he gets from people and, and his answers. And so I gathered up so, uh, two, two fun facts and... You know, later on down the line, when I talk about volume two and volume three, I'm not going to do those right away. I want to get, you know, 10, 15 episodes before I do any more Alpha Flight. But when I get to those, I'll have more fun facts. So the fun facts for this issue is issue. See, here's the problem with podcasting about comic books. You start referring to issues of comic books as episodes and you refer to episodes of the podcast as issues. But that's okay. All right, so the character of Guardian appeared, his first appearance was in 19, um, 1978, I believe, Uncanny X-Men number 109, and he was there to bring back Wolverine, right? I know I said that Alpha Flight does, and they will later, but he he's the first one. Before we get Alpha Flight, we get Guardian, but he wasn't known as Guardian at the time. He was known as 
Weapon Alpha. And then when he appears next, it's with Alpha Flight and their first appearance, which is in Uncanny X-Men number 120 in 1979. And at that point, he's known as the Vindicator. And it, and as I said, it's not till issue two of Alpha Flight that he changed his name to Guardian. So here's what the deal is. A lot of these characters, Guardian, um, Snowbird, Shaman, these were characters that John Byrne had created way before he ever got onto X-Men. Before he was John Byrne, when he was still uh, just, just a fan of comics, he created this Canadian superhero team. And the character of Guardian, that was his original name. And he gave him the name Guardian because of a lyric in the Canadian National Anthem, uh, Oh Canada, we stand on guard for thee. So that's why he was called Guardian. He's basically the Canadian Captain America. But when they needed to use, when they, when, uh, they needed a character in that, in that X-Men, X-Men, uh, issue to go get Wolverine, he offered up Guardian and Marvel said, no, we can't call him Guardian because Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's doing pretty well. And for, apparently to them, that made sense that people would just assume here's a character named Guardian. He must have something to do with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Marvel apparently thought their readers were stupid. And so they said, no, you can't call him the Guardian. And so Chris Claremont came up with the name Weapon Alpha, which John Byrne didn't like at all, apparently. So then in the second appearance, Byrne had convinced them not to use um, Weapon Alpha because it is a stupid name. And so uh, they still couldn't use Guardian because apparently Guardians of the Galaxy is still doing well. And so Claremont comes up with Vindicator and uh, named him after some sort of jet plane or something. And John Byrne didn't like that name either because he's like, Vindicator, what is he vindicating? And it wasn't until he then uh, got, you know, was able to do Alpha Flight himself that he made the change back. And speaking of character names, the, the, the second fun fact I have for you, the character of Puck was not, as some believe, named for the character Puck in Shakespeare's A Midsummer's Night Dream. He was actually named after a hockey puck because he's short and he's stout, I guess. So yeah, those are your fun facts. Aren't they amazing? <laughs> oh goodness. Thank you for listening to the Stephen or else podcast. We are a proud member of the comics podcast network where you can go to find other excellent comic book podcasts. So just go to comicspodcasts.com and check out what they have. You can email your questions and comments to stephenrls at gmail.com or you can also leave a comment to the episode on the site. That's stephenrls.com. Um, I'm, I want to start a campaign. I want any, if, if I want everybody to go out, if you're liking this show, if you're listening to it, um, go to iTunes and leave a review. I know that there are other places out there where people listen to podcasts. And honestly, if you're listening to the podcast somewhere that allows you to leave a review, go review it. Cause then that helps, that helps us, uh, get more listeners. It helps put the podcast out in the public eye. Um, we got two reviews over at iTunes and I thank you both for those because they're both great reviews. Um, but let's see if we can get, let's see if we can have 25 reviews by July. Can we do that? 25 reviews on iTunes by July. If you feel inclined to throw a little support my way, you can do that in two different ways. Three, actually. 
Two of them are monetary. The other is not. So if you're not somebody who, who can spend or wants to spend money, then here's what you can do to help me. Just go out there and spread the word. Just tell people about it. Are you on Reddit? Tell the people on Reddit about my podcast. Are you on Twitter? Tell the people on Twitter about my podcast. Are you on Facebook? Well, you get the idea. The other two ways you can become my patron over at Patreon and for as little as a dollar a month, you not only get the warm and fuzzy feelings that you are helping me provide for my family because you are, I've mentioned it before, I have taken some of this Patreon money and I have used it to buy some digital comic books. I am using $6 of it a month to become a member of Comixology Unlimited, but the rest goes to my family. I buy milk, buy eggs, buy stuff like that. So not only are you going to feel good that you're helping me provide for my family, you're also going to get instant access to my other podcast, which is called My Other Podcast. And it only releases exclusively on Patreon. So the only way you're going to get all those episodes, we're up to episode number 36 at this point, because there's two a week. You're only going to get them over there on Patreon. I do make them available every once in a while. Certain episodes, I'm like, you know what? Let's make this available to everybody. But the only way you're going to get it, all the episodes, is to become a patron. And you can do that for as little as a dollar a month. And it's pretty cool because you get an RSS feed. You get a feed, you know, an RSS feed link thingamajig. And if, for example, if you do all your podcasts through iTunes, you can throw that sucker into iTunes so that every time I put an episode up, boom, it just comes with all your other podcasts on iTunes. If you do Podcast Addict, same thing. And there are other places that do that. You just put in the feed, bam. You don't even have to come to Patreon. They're just there on your regular feed, which is pretty cool. Now, if you're not into the uh, commitment of a monthly payment thing, you want to just throw a little little scratch my way, you can go to uh, coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com slash Stephen R. Orr. And you can uh, buy me a coffee for as little as three bucks. The links for those places, all the links are going to be in the show notes. So don't worry about writing all those down. The theme song for this episode is Worship by Trinity X. You can find it and more songs from the band at atomiczombierecords.bandcamp.com. The rest of this music in this episode comes from MC Frontalot, used by permission. You can find him at frontalot.com. And as I said, all those links will be in the show notes. So until next week, I'm Steven, and this has been my podcast. Be nice to each other. Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job.